Blog Talk Radio. This truck needs a half tank. These wheels need a two lane. This radio needs three songs to play to get me across town to you. That dress needs to slip off. That hair needs to come down. Friday nights need to do what Friday nights need to do. That's the truth. Yeah, birds need bees and ice needs whiskey. Boys like me need girls like you to kiss me. Fishing in the dark needs nitty gritty. Under that pale moon. Sweet tea needs that sugar stirring. Small town nights need both fence burning. Shades need drawing. Hearts need falling. Boots need knocking. Knocking boots. Knocking boots. Me and you. Oh. Long weeks need a weekend. Cheap drinks need a slinging. That dance floor needs some me on you. And you want me tonight. Sing alongs need to be sung. Tip bells need to be rung. Last calls need to call that cab. And back seats need I want you so bad. Yeah, birds need bees and ice needs whiskey. Boys like me need girls like you to kiss me. Fishing in the dark needs nitty gritty. Under that pale moon. Knocking boots Knocking boots Girl, me and you Doors need shutting Lights need cutting Lips need locking Boots need knocking And birds need bees And I need whiskey Boys like me need Girls like you to kiss me Dark means nitty gritty Under that pale moon The sweet tea needs that sugar stirring Small town nights need both ends burning Shades need drawing Hearts need falling Boots need knocking Knocking boots for coming. For some, it's a family tradition. For others, it's a chance to spend quality time trying something new. Don't let these moments pass you by. Grab your family and join the NASCAR family in building memories that will last a lifetime. The Bank of America Roval 400, September 29th at America's home for racing and families, Charlotte Motor Speedway. Plan your experience today. Visit charlottemotorspeedway.com. 
I'm Matt DiBenedetto, driver of the number 95 Procore Toyota Camry, and you're listening to The Pit Stop with Tim DeSpain. Nation. I'm Tim Despain, alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson, up in the Commonwealth of Virginia, right outside of Richmond Raceway. Stephen, how you doing tonight, brother? I'm doing fairly well. I'm trying to make it through, I guess. I heard that. And uh, before we get, Stephen, we had so much breaking news. I mean, we got so much we can talk about, but to let our listeners know, we don't have a guest tonight. Uh, we tried getting Daniel Hammer. Daniel Hammer had other plans, so we're going to try getting him next week. So we want to hear we, we want to hear from from Daniel about his deal there with RCR, where he's not going to be returning to the eight car next year for the uh, Monster Energy National Cup Series season. But Stephen, you ventured off to Richmond Raceway this past weekend. And I want to apologize for last weekend. I didn't give you the time to talk about that you were going, but talk a little bit about this weekend there at uh, at Richmond and with our good friend there, Dennis Bickmeyer. But they put on a great show up there, brother. Well, it was uh, all Toyota weekend up there at Richmond, and uh, both the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series with uh, with Christopher Bell winning there for his, uh, what was it, fifth time this year. And uh, Martin Truex Jr. in the Cup Series winning on Saturday night for his sixth time in the 2019 campaign. So he's been, uh, obviously locked himself into uh, into the round of 12. And uh, based, based on his performance and uh, stage points, um, I, I would venture to say that he is... Uh, all good unless something catastrophic happens. Um, I, I do I do see him going all the way to uh, Homestead at the end of November. Um, he's got a lot of good trucks coming up. He's got Kansas, which uh, he's won at before. Um, Texas is another mile and a half race track uh, that he's uh, seemed to perform well at, and. Uh, I, I I think at this point I think we have to consider him a legitimate uh, Final Four contender in November at Homestead, um, with the other three probably trying to shake themselves out at this point. Um, but I think I'm just going to go ahead and make that call right now. After these first two weeks of performances like we've seen out of him, uh, both. Uh, last week at Las Vegas, uh, or two weeks ago at Las Vegas, and then last weekend at Richmond. Stephen, while we're on the uh, topic there of Richmond, like I said, we got a lot of stuff. We had a lot of breaking news come out today. One of the biggest days we've had in a long time. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of our listeners might not know that uh, the number 20 uh, Toyota camera there, Joe Gibbs Racing driver, uh, Eric Jones, failed post race. And I didn't really get to actually look it up in the rule book and see exactly what he failed. But from what I understand, 
It was something to do with the skew of the rear end, Stephen. And NASCAR gives these people, gives these drivers anywhere from a quarter inch to a half inch leeway, either way, minus or plus. And he was an eighth inch over. And I've seen a lot of bitching and griping, if I can say that, on social media about what are they? Why are they getting him for eighth of an inch? But Stephen, they give these teams anywhere from a quarter to a half, and then you take another eighth. I mean, you know, come on, man. I mean, uh, that's that's a little bit ridiculous, man. I mean, you know, a lot just to sort. I, I guess where I'm going with my topic. A lot of these listeners don't know exactly how the rule book works, and some of them can't interpret the way it's being read. But uh, am I correct in what I'm saying? NASCAR gives these teams and drivers that little bit of leeway, and they they all you got to take it to the to the one thousandth of an inch to now to be competitive, but. Where do we draw the line, Stephen? Do we? I mean, from what I've gathered, they want to the the fans want to see see them give that eighth of an inch. But like I said, they already give them that tolerance there, plus or minus. Well, in every in every measurement that they have, and then even with the um, optical system that they use for for technical inspection. Um, they preload in the CAD drawings with all the measurements into it. And, you know, this this thing is, you know, so crazy it can get down to like the ten thousandth of an inch or something, some really ridiculous number, um, and tell you if you're out of tolerance. Um, you know, I, I, I've, long, I've long thought that... Um, I understand, first of all, I, I predicate my next statement on this is that I understand the rules that are in the rule book. I understand why we have them in the rule book. I mean, we have 70 years of tried and tested methodology in the sport of NASCAR where over 70 years we've had everybody from Junior Johnson to Smokey Unic to, to, to Rick Hendricks and RCRs and Jack Roushes and all these very smart people that have come to the sport over a 70-year history and have found ways that if it's not clearly spelled out in black and white, have found ways to increase performance in the car. And I think that, 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 that is what the team's job is. That's what these car builders' job is. That's what um, they're supposed to be doing. And on the side, you know, NASCAR is supposed to be making this equal or as close to equal as possible on the competition level. However, predicating that statement, um, I do think that there is some allowances that we could probably tolerate or just take out of the robot. Um, I'm not going to pretend to be an engineer by any means. So I'm not going to try and devolve down into a discussion on to the minute details of why one rule is in there and another rule isn't or how one rule is written versus another rule. Um, but I do think that, you know, I think we should I think as, you know, that there's, by disqualifying him, um, 
and I can understand that the skew is out on the rear of that car, which ultimately can, you know, lead to various different performance and enhancements. Um, you know, everything. You know, we can think of things like downforce, uh, side arrow. Um, you know, you, you name it, whatever. But um, I, I, I do think that if we find and we look at these as a wholesale, just take a step back for a moment, we take a look at this and say, okay, did what Eric Jones do? Let's back up. What Eric Jones' team and JGR did, did to that car, did it give it enough of a performance enhancement that had he not done that, could he still have finished in the same place or was that enhanced to the point that that caused him to have an advantage over somebody else, including teammates, and we should disqualify him. So I think there's times that we can step back and say, okay, did, did this did this did him by him breaking this rule? Did it do something that he couldn't have done, or the car couldn't have done on its own, um, had it not been enhanced or uh, out of tolerance? So, really, I do think that you know that I'm not an engineer, so I'm not going to pretend to be one. Um, I think we have to take the rule book as the way that it sits. Um, I think we have to interpret it to the way that it sits, but sometimes I do think that we could take a step back and say, okay, did did by by this particular team do something that really really enhanced it to the point um, that gave him an advantage over somebody else? And if not, um, you know, maybe we can, you know, maybe we can uh, do something different, not necessarily qualifying. I know fans have been jumping up and down for years and saying, well, we need to disqualify cars. And, you know, we had a almost, uh, we had a nearly 70 year history of never disqualifying a winner in this sport. And, uh, you know, Bill France had, had always said that he wants fans leaving to know who the winner is. And we're in this, 24-hour news cycle now where we can put anything out on social media and we can come forward, um, you know, at 1 o'clock in the morning when Eric Jones failed. Uh, you know, fans are long gone. Fans are still sitting around in the campgrounds, whatever the case may be. We can still get the information out to fans, and we're getting the information out faster than we ever had before. So, you know, I can see both sides of it at the same time, but sometimes I want to say, can we just take a step back, look at this, and say, did he do? Did the team do something that gave him so much of an advantage that this car and that driver couldn't have done this in the first place? Very well said, there, brother. And with all that being said, let's see if we can answer the fifty thousand dollar question. Let's see what uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Managing Director Jay Fabian had to say in the media center after they disqualified Eric Jones there at Richmond Raceway. All right, everyone, we are now being joined by Jay Fabian, Managing Director of the Monster Energy Series. Jay, why don't you just take us through what happened with the DQ with the 20? Yeah, so the 20 standard procedure um, post-race in the playoffs that we run every car through the OSS 
um, and then we do a post-race inspection on first, second, and then generally a random. Uh, the 20 car failed the OSS on their run through on a standard post-race inspection. All right, we'll now open up for a couple <coughs> questions from Jay. Please raise your hand and we'll get a wireless microphone. I'll come up front here to Hank and then go to Bob. Hank Kurz with AP. What typically causes something like that? Um, any number of things. Uh, there's, there's fairly critical measurements on the rear wheel alignment that have to be followed. So there's any number of things that the team could do or not do to make it fail. Um, the standard process as a race, we give a pretty strong allowance on what they can run pre-race to post-race, and, and it's crept out of that range. Go to Bob. Uh, Bob Hockers, Fox Sports. Did you find any parts or pieces that you that shouldn't be there that would design it to fail, and why why is there a rule on rear toe or rear wheel steer? What, what why do you need to have a tolerance uh, there? Yeah, so um, we didn't find any parts. I didn't look at the car other than to check the car as it's in the rig, check the equipment to make sure all the equipment was in order. Um, so yeah, the team, we didn't see anything that was designed to fail. Uh, at the end at the end of the day, the result's the same, it failed. Um, rear wheel steer and alignment is important as a critical factor in uh, downforce. It's an arrow benefit to get more skew in the rear. So we keep those parameters pretty tight so that everybody is uh, racing with the same thing. And that's, that's the key to running all 16 cars through there. We just finished up uh, probably 30 minutes ago. So it's, it's important to keep the playing field level and make sure all the playoff cars are the same and pass that thing. Go to Zach. Zach Albert, NASCAR.com. Jay, um, this is the first uh, instance we've had a disqualification on the Monster Energy Series side. Um, with how crew chiefs are kind of trained to push tolerances and things like that, are you surprised it's you know, race 27, 28 now that, that we've had one of these? Uh, that's a good question. We've, we've set the standard early in the year and what we expect, and teams have done a good job reacting to that. Um, I think obviously as the pressure mounts and the years go, or the, the season goes on, it, it doesn't surprise me to see them pushing a little farther and trying to get a little more out of their stuff. And, and like I say, sometimes you just cross that line a little bit and that's all you need to, to, to fail. All right, Jay, well, thanks for joining us this evening. Steve, that was Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Managing Director Jay Fabian there in the media center there at Richmond after they DQ'd the number 20 there of Joe Gibbs Racing and Eric Jones. Just to talk a little bit about, just like Bob Pockers was talking about the skew, and I want to ask you this question. I really don't know. How does the skew on a three-quarter mile short track, how does that affect the performance of the race car? I mean, the only thing that I can think of is that the skew is designed so that the car will turn better in, in, in the turns. Um, you know, these, these turns are relatively low bank, um, comparatively speaking. Um, so, you know, the skew is set off the toe in, toe out, things like that, um, or set by the track, or set, you know, based on the track, based on the, uh, based on 
based on the angles of uh, degree of the banking of each of these tracks and in doing so it helps the car turn um, into the corners so maybe they're looking at it in the fact that you know the skew was set to an extreme point which uh, did give an advantage over the competitors uh, in the turning radius uh, of, the, of, the, of the turn there at Richmond. But otherwise, you know, otherwise here, you know, you you don't really necessarily have, you know, much aerial effect uh, as far as drafting and side drafts and stuff like that at three-quarter mile. Um, you know, you're you're really looking at your turns more than you're uh, looking at some of the other things uh, at a track like Richmond. That's right. And, Stephen, let's, uh, let's go ahead and roll on into some more breaking news. Uh, like I said, we got a lot to cover and a short time to cover it in but we had, we finally got the cat come out of the bag at Levine Family Racing, Stephen. They announced today that they're putting Christopher Bell in that car that Matt Benedo will vacate at the end of the 2019 season, which Matt's going over to the Wood Brothers number 21 there. But Stephen, let me go ahead and hit our breaking news button. If I, I know you can't stand this, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do the breaking news button. Stephen hates this. Button. Stephen Levine Family Racing announced today, which we all knew it was coming. You and I, as, me, as, as media members, we all knew it was coming. Every other media member knew it was coming. But it was finally wrote this down today. Uh, Bob Levine and Levine Family Racing, they're putting Christopher Bell in that number 95 Toyota, which is a Joe Gibbs affiliated car. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, honestly, I, I think this is the worst kept secret in all of NASCAR, and really, I think that you know, to be critical for a moment, I, I think that Christopher Bell, JBR, Bob Levine, all of them really just did a disservice to to fans. And what I mean by that is, is I mean it was so apparently obvious that you know it, it would be like putting a billboard with neon signs outside your shop saying Christopher Bell here in 2020, but then right. going back and denying and, and, or, and, and then going back and denying, well, I don't know whether he's coming here or not, or, you know, I don't know where I'm going in 2020. I mean, you know, so, uh, you know, I think NASCAR fans have wised up. We're in a... Again, this goes back to we're in a 24-hour state of media, and there's so few secrets that are kept anymore. Uh, Eddie Wood was pretty, um, you know, he he was pretty. Um, I don't know the word I'm trying to look for. He he was pretty. Adamant. He was pretty much adamant. 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 Yeah, yeah, he was adamant in the fact that there's just so few secrets in NASCAR these days. And by Matt and Benedetto going over to the 21, uh, had to be kept such a secret because of all the moving parts and pieces of um, uh, of him coming there, that, you know, there was some level of secrecy. But, you know, with Christopher Bell, I mean, it was so apparently obvious in the fact of where he was going to go. And, you know, we could all sit around and hum and haw and say, well, you know, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But 
the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, people knew months and months ago, even before Matt Benedetto was even released from the number 95, that it was very apparent on where Christopher Bell and his path would take him into 2020, especially with, um, you know, his wins, uh, with, with such a backing from Toyota. And really, I just think that they all kind of did a disservice to the fans out there by denying it for so long and pretending like it wasn't going to happen. Um, really, I think that they could have, you know, they, they could have got out in front of it a little bit more, and they could have said, okay, well, we're letting Matt Benedetta go, but we want to let you guys know Christopher Bell is coming here in 2020. And you let the details, the details were already being worked out at that time anyways. I mean, there was already, Toyota was already heavily involved at this point. JGR was already heavily involved into this point. All the parties were already so heavily involved, you know, weeks ago or even a month or plus ago when Matt DiBenedetto was released from the number 95 that it was a perfect opportunity to go out there and all the criticism that Bob Levine took and Lindsay Family Racing took over the release of Matt DiBenedetto, I think they could have quelled some of that by saying, look, yes, we're letting him go. No, we don't really want to let him go. But you got to understand there's a business aspect of this. And Bob tried to make this argument, but you just can't make this argument once the cat is out the bag, so to speak. And that's what kind of happened in this situation. I really do think that, you know, had they, you know, had they worked this just a little bit more, had they gotten out in front of it, had they explained themselves at the time that Matt Benedetto was released and gave the fans kind of a clearer picture of, of, of Christopher Bell coming there and all the reasons why he was coming there, um, even though that they may not have dotted all their I's and crossed all their T's, I do think that was just the perfect opportunity that they should have coincided, the announcement should have coincided with one another. I think it would have it would have helped with the heartache to some degree with fans that took to social media and condemned Bob and Bond Family Racing for what they were doing to Matt Benedetto, and let the process work itself out. Everybody was happy once Matt got a lot in the number 21 for 2020. So I think this whole I think it could have been avoided to some degree. Some heartburn could have been avoided to some degree. And just go ahead and put the information out there. Just go ahead and confirm what everybody knew months and weeks in advance. Very well said, Stephen. And to add to your statement there, Suzanne and I were at the Talladega Super Speedway right after you and all I left uh, Bojangles Southern 500 there at Darlington. We had a media presser there that Thursday, and Matt Benedetto was there. And I posed the question to Matt, uh, has he ventured out and looking for a cup ride or could it be maybe a souped-up NASCAR Xfinity Series deal? And, you know, Matt just said that he was focused on winning. But, again, with all that being said, I think the whole deal there was going down with Matt, which left uh, Levine Family Racing there and went over to the Wood Brothers Racing. I think that's a pretty good move there. And I think Paul Menard had a big deal to do with that, when Paul announced he was going to retire, I think he was sort of pulling for uh, or putting some kudos in the Wood Brothers Racing team there to bring Guido over there 
to the number 21. But like you said about Christopher Bale, we all knew it was coming. It was just a matter of time. And, Stephen, I've got uh, – I know you had posted the uh, the audio there with uh, from uh, the press conference or the the uh, teleconference on the phone there on your website and, and all that with Levine Fenner Racing and Bale, Levine and David Wilson of Toyota Racing develop, Development. Stephen, if I can, let's you and I take a little break. We're going to play. We're going to play that. It's exactly 26 minutes long, but I'm not going to play the, the whole thing because we got a lot more to, to talk about. But let's uh, let's take a little break, and we'll put, we're going to listen to this audio deal here, and we will be back live from Talladega. Uh, ah, Talladega. I didn't say Talladega Super Speedway. Back live from Talladega, Alabama, and uh, Speedway Digest Radio Network, and we'll, let's just listen to this audio. Good afternoon, everyone. We are now joined by Christopher Bell, the newly named driver of the number 95 Toyota Camry in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series next season, the founding owner of Levine Family Racing, Bob Levine, and David Wilson, the president of TRD USA. Congratulations, gentlemen. We will now go to the media for questions. And our first question comes from Claire Lang from Sirius XM. Please state your question. Thank you. Uh, well, um, I'd like to start with Christopher and have us talk through finally having this announced, what relief that is. And your aspirations for it obviously are huge, but I'd like to hear that and the fact that you'll be with Jason Ratcliffe. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about making the next step here at LFR and hoping that we can get it kicked off on the right foot. But I think having Jason along beside me is going to be a huge it's going to be a, a really big advantage having Jason with me. He's a great crew chief. He's got a lot of experience with veteran drivers, and we got to start our communication process in the Xfinity Series together. So uh, there's nobody else I'd rather go with than him. And how, how long do you think it will take you to kind of ease on into this next level? A lot of people have a lot of high hopes on you. I think a lot of it will have to do how well I adapt to the rules package in the Cup Series. Um, the Xfinity cars, for whatever reason, fit me pretty well, so there wasn't that much of a learning curve in the Xfinity cars, uh, but the Cup Series cars are right now are drastically different than the Xfinity Series cars, so um, I think a lot of it will depend on how quickly I can pick that up. Thanks, good luck, and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Joyan Ben-Aghi from Athletic. Please state your question. Uh, yes, this question is for Bob. Bob, what does this do for your team and how it elevates it going forward? Probably uh, that word you used, it elevates it with the uh, talent, character, and experience that Christopher has and has gotten as he moved up through very solid foundation uh, with the people surrounding him, with Jason coming over, Wheels still being here, and, and our total people on the car will be the same, which was really built on this year. Uh, then the, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, in, enhanced with JGR is all going to come together very well. And, uh, you know, it's our next step that we've been working on for about five years. So really pleased that Christopher is a part of it. Uh, obviously, Toyota being a part of it, huge TRD, and uh, JGR being a part of it. It's a, it's a great family, and that we all elevate together. Thank you. 
Thank you. Our next question comes from Bob Pockers from Fox Sports. Please say your question. Yeah, Christopher, according to the release, it said that you started with Toyota in 2013. And I would say most people who start with that program maybe have aspirations or they could get the cup. I'm curious, when you started and they first signed you to a development program, how realistic did you think your chances were to get to this point today? And did it take any longer or did it go any quicker than you thought? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Bob. And I remember back whenever we first got together and I actually met with Jack Irving and Tyler Gibbs uh, and we talked about the plan. And I remember they sent me a bubble chart. And that was back at the very beginning of best case scenario. After this, we go late model racing. Best case scenario, we go truck racing. Worst case scenario, we stay truck racing. And it would be really cool to see that bubble chart um, I'm sure it's floating around in an email somewhere to see how true it, it all came six years later down the road here. But, I mean, it. I, I thought it was realistic that I could get the cup whenever I started in the USAC ranks with them as long as I performed. But then it, as you make every step, it gets harder and harder and harder. And back in 20. I guess it would have been last year in the Xfinity series. We had a very successful year and there was still no way to get the cup. So uh, that was a very, very big roadblock. And I wasn't sure if it was going to happen there for a while, but David Wilson, Tyler Gibbs and Jack Irving. And um, those are the people from the TRD side that made it happen. And then obviously there's countless people at the Toyota side that made it happen as well. So uh, whenever I started out on the midget side and I felt like I could definitely make it to Cup if I performed well enough. I felt like there was a clear path. But, like I said, each step that I took, the path became more and more fuzzy because the number of seats, get they just keep dwindling down. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that's the best answer I can give you. So, do you – I know you're a guy who's happy racing kind of no matter what it is. So, what does – what do you think it'll mean to you to race in Cup? Well, it's it's the it's the pinnacle of motorsports in the United States of America. So that's if you talk to anybody, any kid, their their dream, if they dream of racing, is to run in the Cup Series in NASCAR. So it's a dream come true for me, and I say it's a dream come true for me. But whenever I was a kid in Oklahoma and I started dirt track racing. I didn't see how it was possible to get there just because I was a dirt track driver and, and that's all I knew. So um, I, I honestly didn't think it was possible to get to the Cup Series. And now here I am today, and it's it's just uh, it's pretty surreal. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Nate Ryan from NBC Sports. Please state your question. Yes, I have a couple of questions for Dave. Uh, the release makes reference to a couple of times to enhancements uh, in the alliance between LFR and Joe Gibbs Racing. I realize probably some of that's proprietary. David, but can, can you maybe elaborate on that or expand and give us a little bit more detail? Yeah, Nate, I, I think the, the easiest way to uh, characterize the alliance is it's uh, akin to what we had uh, between TRD, Joe Gibbs Racing, and Furniture Row Racing. A couple of years ago, um, you're certainly not going to get into the 
into the detail of it, but uh, enhanced hardware, um, enhanced communication, sharing of information, um, uh, you know, the tools that, that, that TRD provide uh, will be further enhanced. The uh, time available on our, um, you know, SIM and, uh, again, everything that, that TRD brings to the table is going to be um, the same as what it has been with with Joe Gibbs Racing. Okay. So Christopher might get more simulator time than, say, Matty D did this year. Would be fair? You know, we, we certainly try and accommodate, um, you know, all of our, our partners and, and, and drivers, but, uh, you know, again, it's, it is a, a huge priority for us uh, to make sure Christopher has what he needs to succeed, uh, to be confident. And um, this is a, you know, this is a complete package. It, it is not uh, uh, being done piecemeal. And, and you can tell that by the, the names, you know, having Jason follow Christopher over, et cetera. You know, all of those things are designed uh, to give him the best opportunity to succeed and continue to um, meet uh, and exceed our expectations. And just a Stephen, I, that was Bob Levine and Christopher Bell and uh, David Woodson there and uh, their phone teleconference there after the announcement today that uh, Christopher Bell will be stepping into not to the ninety-five Pro Core. I shouldn't have said Procore because that's my stepping into the 95 Toyota there for uh, Levine Family Racing. Any thoughts on that on that deal there, uh, Stephen? Do you think he could have waited out and maybe got a uh, higher tier uh, piece of machinery in the Cup Series, like we always say? But you and I in the media, we've always talked about over the these past couple of years. Somebody's got to make room for Christopher Bell, and there was no room there. Do you think that was a good move for Christopher going to Levine Family Racing for the 2020 NASCAR NASCAR Monster Engine NASCAR Cup Series deal? Well, to be honest, I think that what this is is that this is just an extension of uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, um, that they will be the ones that, that from – the outside looking into the way that this is being packaged is that Joe Gibbs Racing is basically um, going to build the cars, supply the technology uh, um, and engineering along with TRD um, stepping in and helping with that. Um, Christopher is probably going to bring some sponsorship to the table. TRD is going to bring sponsorship to the table for him. Um, and then, you know, Bob Levine is, and Levine Family Racing um, will take the car to the track. And um, this will be a, a, a similar deal that we saw a couple of years, a couple of three years, two, three years back or something when, uh, when Eric Jones was, essentially a, a satellite team of Joe Gibbs Racing, but because of the four-car limit, um, was actually ran under Furniture Road Racing with, again, TRD and JGR supplying the cars, the engines, um, engineering, you know, all the other things that come along with the parts and pieces of that, and 
you know, furniture row racing um, being the, the the team um, fielding the car on paper with the uh, you know probably bringing some sponsorships and things like that. So I think that this is just a way that teams have figured out how to get around that four car limit in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. Um, and JGR has used deployed this you know method pretty successfully when you look at the way that they uh, deployed it with Furniture Row Racing um, and now with Levine Family Racing. Um, they know that there's only a limited number of seats out there. Toyota has been hesitant to add more seats to their stable. Uh, Joe Gibbs Racing uh, is the, the top tier, the toppest tier there is when it comes to TRD um, as far as their teams and their engineering um, go. And uh, I, I think that this is, again, and I, I'm not trying to be critical at this, critical at all. I'm just trying to call it like I see it. This is essentially a Joe Gibbs factory team that is on paper being filled at by Levine Family Racing as a way to get around the four-car limit with probably the intention at some point of – you know, Eric Jones has signed on for for uh, a renewal. Um, we thought about Danny Hamlin might be the odd man out, but he came into the season. He's won a bunch of races this year after not winning at all last year. He's a legitimate contender this year for the for the playoffs. So, you know, it's hard to say that you know Danny Hamlin is you know that you know uh, um, Christopher Bell is going to seek that that seat out. The 18, that's, you know, you might as well consider that a, a cobbush seat for life. And uh, so, you know, I, I think this works out for a couple of years where, you know, Christopher Bell gets to go out there and he gets to run, he gets to learn, and, um, you know, if one of those seats happen to come open, then, you know, he becomes a, a bona fide Joe Gibbs racing driver that is in-house and, you know, maybe... TRD and Joe Gibbs Racing continue to use this number 95 as a as a uh, way to uh, propel or uh, to to bring drivers up. And you know, I know there's a lot of interest in the next couple of years of Haley Deegan, which is a TRD driver, and there's some other drivers out there. Christian Eckes is another one that there's a lot of interest in. Um, so I I think that you know this could play into in a couple of years that once you know, Bell is cycled out of this, or maybe maybe it might be a long-term deal where Bell has to be there for a while, and Joe Gibbs Racing helps bring a second team to Levine Family Racing, maybe brings in number 59 back, and, you know, I'm just throwing out all these ideas because, you know, we, we have to look at, you know, what happens to Bell next, and, you know, I hate to say that, but, you know, what does happen to him next? You know, Joe Gibbs Racing would like to have him in a house. Unfortunately, there's not a place for him right now. Toyota has a lot of great drivers coming up um, that, they're, uh, that they're cultivating to be the next uh, Cup Series driver and the next champion for uh, Toyota. So, you know, there, there's there's a limited number of seats on so many places and a lot of drivers that want to take these seats in the next couple of years. So I, I really I just think that, you know, it's uh, – you know, I think for Christopher Bell, he's got every opportunity in the world to go out there and succeed. Um, is, his rookie, is his rookie year going to be 
as flashy as this year in, in the Xfinity Series? No, I don't think so. There's a lot of things that he's going to have to learn. Um, but I do think once you start looking down the line at year two or year three, that's where we're going to see a lot of shine coming from Christopher Bell and wherever he is at the particular moment. One last thought, Stephen. Uh, since, uh, you know, you and I, just like I mentioned, this is uh, silly season. And it started early, just like you t- just like you said. And since you and I had our show last week, uh, our good friend Daniel Hamrick, I want to bring up that for a moment. Uh, Richard Shitters Racing said uh, they will not fill his seat in the number eight car there in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series next year. It was his first full rookie season that he has not finished yet. And... Rumorville is, you and I, we've talked about it. The media stuff has talked about it. With David Reagan stepping aside, do we see Daniel Hamrick going to a forward team there at Furniture Row Racing next year? What's your thoughts on that, brother? I don't know. Um, I know Daniel Hamrick, he came into the media center at Richmond, and he talked about the fact of, uh, he talked about the fact of, uh, you know, he wants to be in a race car. He had a lot of struggles in his life, going all the way back to his K&N days, truck days, etc. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people have followed his story over the years. And, you know, this is just another struggle for him. Um, for him, meaning, what does he do that? Um, sure, there's, there's a seat open over in uh, uh, Front Row Motorsports at this time. Um could something else open up? I don't know. Uh, could, you know, there be a swap where, um, you know, where where Daniel Hemmert goes back to the Xfinity Series for Richard Childress Racing? He didn't leave that out. Um, he said they hadn't talked about it, but he didn't explicitly say, no, that's never going to happen. Um, so, honestly, we, we, don't, we don't know what's going to happen to him next. I think uh, I think uh, I think we have a lot of uh, Teleretics, um sponsors, and I think Richard Childress himself see a lot of potential in him, and this is why Hemick is out of a job and the number eight. And I see a lot of those sponsors and Richard um, looking at uh, Teleretic to help Richard Childress Racing rebound, and I think there's a lot of statement to that. They haven't been the best in the Cup Series in quite some time. Um, even the affiliate team, Jermaine Racing, with Ty Dillon, the two grandsons, haven't been the best and performed on the level that others out there are performing on. So I think that everybody sees a potential that this could be a return of Richard Chose Racing as to getting them back to the mountaintop, to the peak of performance. And um, you know, with uh, two young drivers, um, Austin Dillon and Paul Reddick, maybe working together, maybe it helps the team out uh, in another way. Uh, so, really, where does Hemmer go next? He wants the race. He said that. He wants to be competitive. He also knows the struggles that he's gone to to get to the Cup Series in the first place, and he just, again, he just sees this as another setback in that struggle. And to add to your story there, Stephen, uh, Suzanne and I, we have uh, followed Daniel Hemmer even back when he was in his uh, NASCAR Camp World Truck Series deal there. And when 
we went to Montgomery Motor Speedway a few years back when he flew in. I think he flew in from Kansas, and he come in to Montgomery Motor Speedway. There, they, they, Montgomery Motor Speedway is a is an iconic raceway. That's where the Owls and all that race, and that's where I really become friends with Daniel Hamrick. And every time I see Daniel, I hate to brag about this, but every time I see Daniel, he always says, "Tim, how you doing?" And I've always asked him, I said, Daniel, how can we get you on a show? You know, he said, just contact so-and-so, so-and-so there. But uh, I've always loved watching Daniel Rex. And, Stephen, to let our listeners know, I think I told you, I probably sent you pictures from uh, Tyler Super Speedway a few years back. We had a deal over to Audubon Speedway there, that indoor uh, go-kart racetrack there. I got to actually race with... Uh, Timothy Peters and Daniel Hamrick. And to throw this in there, Lauren Sisler. I know you probably know Lauren Sisler. She's uh she's made her way up. She's a uh football analyst for ESPN now. And her racing name there was Twisted Sisler. Well, me and her had the fastest qualifying times. Well they put us in the back. Well, we wasn't fast because Hamrick and uh Peters were faster, so they put them two behind us. And it was me and Sisler from ESPN back then, uh, CBS, 42 CBS Sports there in Birmingham. And we actually run that race there at, at this indoor electric go-kart track. And, Stephen, I had a freaking blast. And Timothy Peters lapped me. Daniel Hemrick lapped me and Twisted Sisler from ESPN twice. And I asked Daniel, I said, Daniel, how? What what is the secret to this go kart racing here on this concrete concrete track? And he said, Tim, get your weight forward, get the weight on the front tires, and it makes it turn better. But anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there, Stephen. But Stephen, uh, <coughs> Stephen, but Stephen, uh, anything we need to talk about? I know you got the uh, start times. TV time for this weekend there at the Rover at Charlotte Motor Speedway. You got the floor, bro. Yeah, um, so it should. Hmm. I, I was listening to your story and I was reading something else at the same time about Henry. But anyway, yeah, so this weekend we're going we're going to go to the Rover this weekend, so we get to see uh, we get to see a little bit of different racing, kind of a um, intermediate track and a. Uh, what do you want to call it? A road course, or would it the road course and oval all at the same time? Oval. Uh, everything's going to kick off Friday afternoon. Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying at 4:40. Um, this will be a multi-vehicle two two rounds, um, just like we do at Sonoma and Watkins Glen. Uh, Saturday, NASCAR uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying, 12:10 qualifying for them. Uh, again, multi-vehicle two rounds for for those guys. Then at three o'clock, that's correct. Then these series racing from Charlotte, um, 67 laps, 155.3 miles for them. And on Sunday, the Bank of America uh, Roval race, uh, 2:30 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series racing, 109 laps, 248.52 miles. Uh, series XM. Uh, PRN have the radio calls for you. This will be on NBC broadcast television for Sunday, NBC SN for on Saturday's Xfinity Series racing. 
And Stephen, to let everyone know, you are making you're making the trek down here to uh, to my hometown, your Tidal Super Speedway. You're going to come down here and uh, have Suzanne and I cover this uh, 1000Buffs.com weekend here with this new transformation deal. So uh, you're coming down and you're staying with us, and uh, it's going to be awesome, bro. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, I'm I'm interested to see what those guys uh, what those guys have done down there to to rebuild that infield. Uh, I know you sent me some pictures and stuff like that, so uh, I'll get to see it in person. Exactly, brother. We can't wait to have you, and Russell said he can't wait to have you also. And again, before we jump out of here. Uh, I want you to let everybody know if they can follow you on social media, your website, and I want to thank you for uh, hosting my website, pitstopradio.net. But before we let you get out of here, go ahead and let everybody know if they can follow you on social media and your website, brother. You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com, so that's Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. Steven, thanks, brother. Going to play a little John Cougar Melon Cap Cherry Bomb. We're going to drop out of here, and I will be attending. Suzanne and I, like I said, we will be attending the media deal tomorrow. And, Stephen, we will send you pictures and let you go ahead and uh, throw all that out, cover that big deal there at Tyler Super Speedway, the unveiling of the new uh, $50 million transformation. And for Stephen Wilson, uh, Tim Despain and my darling wife Suzanne Despain, we're going to say good night from Talladega, Alabama. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Right.